Hello, friends, and welcome to the Sermons Podcast of Christ Church at Grove Farm. We are thrilled to be a part of your spiritual journey and look forward to helping you discover God's plan for your life. To find more messages like this, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel and our podcast feeds. To stay connected with us, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter under the handle CCGF01 and check out our website, ccgf.org, for all of this information and more. Now, here is this week's message, Grace and Peace to You. Oh, Father, thank you so much for this morning. We are grateful. We're a part of this team, this church family. And we do not want to be a country club, Lord, up in here. No. We want to be a part of a movement. And we thank you that through Jesus, we indeed are part of this movement, the church. May you be glorified in us and through us, God. Teach us even now. As we look at the scriptures this morning, I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So this morning, I'm going to give you three portraits of faith. The first portrait is a guy named Joshua Harris. Maybe you've heard of Joshua Harris. Joshua Harris is the author of a book called I Kiss Dating Goodbye. Famous book. It was written in 1997, and it it outlined a Christian approach to dating and relationships, and it helped shape the purity movement. In fact, The Silver Ring thing was a part of that purity movement in the 90s. This book sold over a million copies. Really, really successful, popular book. Maybe you've heard of it. A little bit more about Joshua Harris. Uh, He was a lead pastor at a church for 11 years. Uh, He he wrote six books in total. Just uh, a year or two ago, tragically, he got a divorce. Unfortunately, his, his marriage ended. And then after that, something really interesting happened. He, he came out and had this quote. I'm going to show it to you and read it to you now. This is just a year ago he said this. Joshua Harris said, I have undergone a massive shift in regard to my faith in Jesus. The popular phrase for this is deconstruction. The biblical phrase is falling away. By all the measurements that I have for defining a Christian, I am not a Christian. Many people tell me that there's a different way to practice faith. And I want to remain open to this, but I'm not there now. You know, I I don't want to beat up here on, on Joshua Harris. That's not the point of mentioning this to you. In fact, as I've been preparing this week, I've been praying for him. I don't know where he is today. That was a year ago. Perhaps you'll pray for him too. But here's why I share this portrait of faith with you? Because I think that this man is having a crisis of faith. It's fair to say that at the very least. And I believe that there are a lot of people in our world today that have a crisis of faith. Many would say, well, hey, I don't even have faith. So I don't have any crisis. Well, listen, I believe that everybody lives by faith in some capacity, maybe not by faith in Christ, But everyone has faith. I mean, you have faith in the pilot, don't you? When that plane plane takes off and lands, you have faith in the pilot. You have faith in the surgeon. When a doctor tells you you need to go under the knife, you put your faith in that surgeon. And we put our faith in science. There's a lot of talk about this today, right? There are a lot of people putting their faith in science. There are people who put their faith in politicians. 
There's a subject du jour, right? Put your faith in a politician. Hey, some people put their faith in the weatherman. Good luck to you if that's, if that's you. In the church, there are people who I would describe as, as faith plus. There's a lot of people in the church who, who have faith in Christ plus something else. For instance, faith in Christ plus Bible reading. Faith in Christ plus church attendance. Faith in Christ plus no drinking or no gambling or no chewing or spitting or whatever it is. People have faith plus. Well, make no mistake about it. No matter if you're faith plus or if you don't have faith, a lot of people find it difficult to have faith in God alone. God alone. And that's what we're talking about here today. We're in the midst of our series called Solas, the gospel alone. And today we're going to talk about faith alone. We're going to look at Romans chapter 4. We're going to go there in just a moment. Before we do, I'm going to give you a little background. I know many of you enjoy the historical perspective. You know, these, these, uh, these uh, sayings, these solaces, are, are things that, are, that come to us from the Reformation. And I want to give you a specific slice of history that's really important as we understand faith alone. This goes back to 1647. There was a group of Reformed pastors and theologians, and they met at Westminster Abbey in London. And there they completed a set of documents that are known as the Westminster Standards. This is where we get the larger and shorter catechisms, for those of you who are familiar with this kind of thing. This goes back to 1647. And they made a very, very important statement that summarizes one of the chief pillars, faith alone, of the Reformed tradition. Listen to this. It's on the screens also. What is justification? Justification is an act of God's free grace wherein he pardons all our sins and accepts us as righteous in his sight only for the righteousness of Christ imputed to us and received by faith alone. Faith alone. Today we're going to talk about in the midst of the crisis of faith, that so many, maybe some of you right now, listening to this, wondering, do I have faith? Do I believe? Do I find it difficult to, to come to God and trust, believing him? Wherever you are, whether you're listening at home or here today, faith alone is what the scriptures teach us. And there is great, great hope in this doctrine Let's go to Romans 4 now and begin in verse 1. We're literally going to go verse by verse through the first few verses of this passage, starting in verse 1. What then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh, discovered in this matter? We're talking about faith. That's the matter at hand. In this matter, what did Abraham discover? Well, this takes us to our second portrait of faith. Abraham is the subject of our second portrait of faith. We've talked about Joshua Harris. Now let's talk about Abraham. Abraham is looked upon as the father of the Jewish nation. He was the defining ancestor of Israel, a Jew of Jews. I mean, Abraham is a big, big deal in the Jewish tradition. Jewish literature points to many passages. I'm going to show you one in just a moment here that say that Abraham kept all the commandments of God. I'm going to show you. So this is a revered figure. 
And notice, he's referred to as our forefather in the scripture there, in the text. Our forefather. Not just the forefather of the Jews, but also the Gentiles, everyone else. And he's not only our earthly ancestor and forefather, he's also our spiritual ancestor and forefather. Because of his faith, it preceded circumcision and the law, the commandments. He is the father of everyone who believes. That's who Abraham is. And it says that he discovered something. He discovered something about faith. Well, what did he discover? Well, first, let me tell you this. There's a definition that I showed you a few weeks ago about justification. I want to put it back on the screens right now. Because what Abraham discovered is something about faith and it pertains to justification. What's justification? Justification is the act of God whereby he declares the believing sinner righteous in Jesus Christ. It's an act of God. He declares, God declares the believing sinner a person who is sinful, righteous through Jesus. That's what justification is. And Abraham discovered that word in the Greek literally means found. He found that justification is what? By faith alone. That's what we're going to get to in this passage. That's what he discovered. He found this. The ancestor of Israel, the Jew of Jews, he discovered, he found the justification by faith alone. Listen, that's our prayer for, for Joshua Harris, that by God's grace, he would discover, he would find that, that faith isn't maybe what he's made it out to be in his heart and his mind, that it's, that it's something that justifies us and we are only justified through faith. My prayer for you in preparing this sermon is that you and your children and your grandchildren and everyone listening at home would discover, maybe even today, the justification, being declared righteous, being made right with God, comes through faith alone. So we're set up. We got our first portrait. It's Abraham. We're going to go to verse 2 now of Romans 4. The scripture continues, If in fact Abraham was justified by his works, he had something to boast about but not before God. Okay, so it talks about works here. Now, let's be clear. We are not saying that good works, good deeds done, living a good life, we are not saying that that is wrong. No, we encourage good works around here. But here's what we're saying. We're saying that good works cannot be sufficient to lead to salvation. That's what the scripture's teaching here. And listen, like I told you just a moment ago, Abraham, our portrait of Abraham, he was good. Perhaps better than any man who had ever lived. I mean, look at some of the Jewish literature. I'm going to show you here from Sirach, chapter 44. Here's a couple of verses. Listen, it says, Abraham was the great father of a multitude of nations. By the way, this is not in our Bible. Let's be clear. This is Jewish literature. If you're looking for Sirach in your Bible, you won't find it. We don't believe this is a part of the holy canon of Scripture. Nonetheless, sacred in the Jewish tradition, Abraham was the great father of a multitude of nations, and there was no smudge on his glory. He kept the laws of the Most High, and he entered into a covenant with him. He established a covenant in his flesh, and when he was tested, he proved faithful. I mean, you hear the words there? No smudge on his glory. 
He kept the laws. When he was tested, he was proved faithful. I mean, Abraham was as good as it gets according to the Jewish tradition and their literature, but Abraham could not have performed sufficient works to, to earn salvation. This is what the scripture is teaching us here in Romans 4. Abraham could not boast before God. There's no way that Abraham, it says, could say, hey, God, look what I did. Look how good I am. Because his works could never provide an adequate basis for such a thing. He couldn't boast before God. More was needed to make Abraham right before God. I believe that this is a very timely and desperately needed message for the people today in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Pittsburgh, PA, home of people who come from blue-collar folks, right? Yeah, Tony, that's right. We love Pittsburgh. And in Pittsburgh, we, we've got a grit to us. We're people who know the value of working hard. We understand the, the value of being a person who perseveres, who puts in an honest day's work, right? We understand that. That doesn't translate over to the kingdom of God. You can't work for it. You can't earn salvation. You can't take your lunchbox and show up every day and just be a good person. No one can earn salvation according to their works. No one can buy his or her way into heaven on the basis of being a good guy or a good girl. No one can boast. If Abraham couldn't, then neither could we. You hear that? Let's be clear. Let's keep going. Romans chapter 4, verse 3. It continues and says, what does scripture say? I love that question, by the way. It's a good question for all of us to ask. Hey, what does scripture say? What does scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. That's what the scripture says about his works, about what he had done, about his goodness. Listen, here's the background. And you could read about Abraham in the book of Genesis. Go to chapters 12 through 25. You can read all about the life of Abraham. I encourage you to do that. Do that this week. Listen to it on the Bible app. Here's his background. God promised him that he was going to be his shield and his great reward. That's what he made a promise to Abraham of. And, and he, what Abraham wanted most was a son, an heir. He didn't have that. He was an old man. And God promised him a son. But as we pick up in Genesis 15, we see that that promise was unfulfilled. In fact, this is what Romans is, is, is quoting here, Genesis 15, 6. It's an exact quote. It says, Abraham, in fact, his name was Abram then, Abram believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. Listen, the whole of scripture is behind the centrality of faith over works. In the very first book of the Bible, in just the 15th chapter, what does it say? We have this paradigm presented that it's not by works, but it's by faith that a person is made right with God. Abraham, with everything he had going for him. No, he believed God. And that was credited to him as righteousness. Let's talk about that word credited. That's important to understand this whole thing. Credited. It's a Greek word that means to put in one's account. I mean, this is a banking term, quite literally. And in this chapter, Romans 4, 
It's mentioned 11 times. It's used 11 times. If you're to read the whole passage, 11 times in chapter 4, and it's used as reckoned in some translations and some imputed and others counted in this translation, credited. It was a gift from God. That's what Abraham had received, something that did not belong to him inherently. It was credited to his account. It's a banking term. It's a new status that Abraham didn't deserve. Listen, there's no inherent righteousness in any of us. Stop for a second. Think about that. Think about your own life. Think about the thoughts you've had in the last 24 hours. Think about some of the things you've said and done just the last 24 hours, the past week, the past month. Think about what's happening in the world right now. Man's statement might be offensive to some, but I think it's true when you think about it. There is no inherent righteousness in any of us. Sin has marred the image of God. We were created in his image. Sin has marred the image of God in us. And so, listen, we cannot achieve righteousness, a relationship with God, eternity with him by our good works. Do you hear me out there? Am I, being, am I clear enough? Is the scripture clear enough? I want you to hear this is so important. Let's keep going. Romans 4, chapter 4. We're going right down Broadway here. We're, we're going. This is fun. Scripture says, Now to the one who works, wages are not credited as a gift, but an obligation. So now Paul gives an example here. And this is one that we in Pittsburgh understand. He's saying basically when a person works, he earns a salary. And that money is put into their account. This is how it works, right? I mean, I'm a kid from the Mon Valley. I know this. When someone works, you get paid. Direct deposit, baby. We love that, don't we? That's what happens. But think about this. If righteousness could be earned, like a person earns a paycheck by good works, then God would be under debt to pay us. Does that seem right to you? That God would have to pay us. No, it doesn't make any sense. So then we would be in control of our own salvation. God in his mercy did not allow that. So listen, Abraham didn't work for his salvation. He simply trusted God's word. I'm breaking this down for you. He trusted God's word. A couple weeks ago, we talked about scripture alone. Abram took God at his word. Do you take God at his word? We believe that the scriptures, they are the very words of God to us. Abram took God at his word. Here's how it works. It was Jesus who did the work on the cross. And his righteousness was put into Abraham's account. How cool is that? I got a little illustration for you. So years back, I was an early adopter of the iPod. I'm a big music guy. If any of you know me and we've talked, you know I love music. So let me reach into my pocket here. You didn't know that my robe had a pocket, did you? The kids are like, whoa, that's cool. Yeah, lasers come out of my tassels here. So this is a cool robe. I've got a pocket and I've got the original iPod in this thing, okay? Man, I love this iPod. And I love filming with songs. Early adopter told this thing. I was teaching school back in these days. And so my students caught wind that I was into listening to music on the iPod. Well, some people were still listening to CDs and cassette tapes. 
And so the parents of this one kid in my class, his name was John. John's mom and dad saved these little caps from a promotion that Pepsi was running. They were giving away free songs on iTunes. Every cap had a code on it. Some of you remember this, okay? Every cap had a code. So this, this kid's mom worked in a hospital and she drank Diet Cokes like all night long to keep her awake. Diet Pepsis rather. And, and, and so she would save the caps, put them in a Ziploc bag and bring them to me. Well, I was so excited about this and John felt so proud that he was getting like, you know, he's like giving the teacher an apple. He's giving me these songs that I could put in my iPod that his mom's colleagues started giving their caps from their bottles of pop to, to me. And then other students caught in. And all of a sudden, I had literally $500 worth of Pepsi caps, credits in my iTunes account to download music for my iPod. It was so cool. It was amazing. And listen, this is what God has done for us, except way better, way better. God has credited our account with an insurmountable amount of grace and love and forgiveness through Jesus Christ. That's what we have. As excited as I was about songs, we should be way more excited. Our minds should be blown that God has put in our account the goodness of Jesus Christ. Okay, let me take you to, to verse 5, Romans 4, 5. However, to the one who does not work but trusts God, who justifies the ungodly, their faith is credited as righteousness. Do you hear that? That's the good news. I love this phrase in here, by the way. God justifies the ungodly. I mean, that's provocative. Think about it. God justifies the ungodly? That's a startling statement. You know, for those people who say, oh, God's so angry, he's, he's mad at me, and, and, and Christians are so stuffy, and, and, and religion is so, is so um, rigid. No, no, listen to this. God justifies who? The ungodly. That's kind of God we serve. I'll show you what, what, what the difference is. Look at Exodus 23, 7. This is from the Old Testament. And I want to focus in just a part of this verse. It's the part that says this. I will not justify the wicked. That's a statement that we read in the Old Testament. You might say, well, what's the difference? Did God change his mind? What, what, why the sudden turnabout? No, no. God here is showing that, that the cost of sin, the burden of sin is this, is that without Christ, without his blood, without faith, he will not justify the wicked. But now with the revelation of Jesus Christ, we can read it in a different way. And now what does the scripture tell us? The scripture tells us that he does justify the ungodly. That's how Jesus has flipped upside down the paradigm of the kingdom of God. What great noise news we have. He put our sins on Christ's account that he might put Christ's righteousness on our account. This is what God has done for us. It's incredible. So let me take you to portrait number three. Speaking of God justifying the ungodly, portrait three is of a guy named Lex Luger. <laughs> now, some of you who were around in the 80s and the 90s, maybe the early 2000s. Now, this guy was a professional wrestler of all things. And he was a very famous professional wrestler. He was called the Total Package. You probably can't tell quite under the picture there, but this guy was ripped. 
massive, chiseled body, chiseled frame. And as a professional wrestler, he had tons of money. He made millions upon millions of dollars. He had relative fame among middle school boys like me. He also had a lot of trouble in his life. I mean, this guy got into the drug scene, every kind of drug you can imagine. Lex Luger was unfaithful to his wife. He, he was arrested for assaulting his girlfriend. He was arrested on drug charges. He was arrested another time for a DUI. Prison, multiple times. Multiple times. Well, one time when he was in prison, the last time he was in prison, there was a chaplain who would come and visit his cell block over and over again, come, come clanging at his, his cage and want to talk to him and want to get to know him. And Lex Luger would tell you that he never sat down with a pastor before. That wasn't his gig. That wasn't the scene that he ran. He had never, ever taken time to sit down with a pastor. But here he was with this pastor. And as he got out of jail, this, this pastor, this prison chaplain, would follow him around, come to his house, have breakfast, lift weights with them, just get to know him. And eventually he invited him to church and Lex Luger went to church and he heard a message about Jesus. He heard a message about building your life on the solid rock and it rocked his world. He said he couldn't eat for a week, couldn't sleep for a week. He didn't know what to do about this. Well, eventually this pastor friend came to his house and Lex told him, listen, he was telling him about Jesus. He said, listen, I think it's too late for me. I mean, I'm the guy who's been arrested multiple times. I'm the guy who blew a marriage. I'm the guy who cheated on his wife. I'm the guy who was into drugs. It's too late for me. I've hurt too many people. I've done way too much wrong. There's no way. And the pastor's response was this to him. By faith, God's forgiveness is endless. And that guy, that professional wrestler, surrendered his life to Jesus. Turned his life upside down. A guy who had such a long list of unrighteousness in his life. Listen, by faith alone, God pardons all, all of our sins, past, present, and future. Man, my friends, that's the good news. Listen to Romans 4, 7, and 8. Blessed are those whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered, Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord will never count against them. Lex Luger found out that, hey, there's, there's good news. I can get out from under this pile of sins that are in my life. I, I can walk as a person whose sins don't count against them, and it's only by faith, by turning to Christ and believing in him. So let me ask you a question. Do you have faith? Do you have faith? Not faith plus, I'm not talking about that. Not the good works you bring to the table. Not faith plus, faith alone. Some of you might say, you know, I don't feel like I have very much faith today. If I have faith, it's like this much. Okay, let me tell you, you're in good company. That guy Abraham we were talking about, listen, he far, he was far from having perfect faith. Think about his story. This guy was given promises by God, promises for both land and ancestors. You can read about in Genesis 12. And even after God assured him, he still refused to believe it. He requested confirmation. Not only that, he resorted to a surrogate mother. 
He, he took matters into his own hands. He said, okay, God's not giving me a kid. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a kid with someone else. That's not like really, really strong faith to you. And this is, this is the great Jew of the Jews. No, no. If you're saying, I don't know how much faith I have. Well, great. The good news is this. Initial rudimentary faith is sufficient for salvation. You don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be a theologian. If you can come with just even a little bit of faith today before God, that is sufficient for salvation. It's good news. It's for you and me. Amen. You know, Lex Luger, wrestler. It's interesting. As I thought about that, you know, there are many people who are wrestling. Joshua Harris is wrestling with faith. Some of you maybe, even as you listen to this message, you're wrestling with faith. Let me read you a quote from the great theologian and thinker C.S. Lewis. Track with me on this. It's on the screens. The man who has experienced conversion feels like one who has awakened from nightmare into ecstasy. He feels that he has done nothing and never could have done anything to deserve such astonishing happiness. All the initiative has been on God's side. All has been free, unbounded grace. His own puny efforts would be as helpless to retain the joy as they would have been to attain it in the first place. Fortunately, they need not. Bliss is not for sale. It cannot be earned. It is faith alone that has saved him. Faith bestowed as the sheer gift of God. Man, feel like you're living a nightmare? Feel like you've been in a nightmare for a long time? Listen, there's an opportunity to move away from the nightmare. But it only comes through faith, faith alone. It's the sheer gift of God. It's not for sale. You can't earn it. It's only through Jesus Christ. I'll take you back to the very first verse as I close. Romans 4.1. The first five verses say this. What then shall we say? I like how it starts. And it launches into Abraham. What then shall we say? Well, what sh then shall we say about you? What is your portrait of faith? We talked about Joshua Harris. We talked about Abraham. We talked about Lex Luger. What a crew, by the way. That's quite a threesome. <laughs> what about you? What then shall we say about Bill? What then shall we say about Jay? What then shall we say about Sarah? What then shall we say about any of you? Put your name into the blank. Will you live by faith alone? My friend, if you're in a crisis, take even your little bit of faith. Turn to Jesus today. Faith alone for him is sufficient for salvation. If you'd like to talk more about that today, Pastor Robbie and I and Marcus and Brad, any of the pastors here, we'd love to pray with you. I'll be outside. If you're online, we've got a host 
right there on YouTube. You can message the host. You could send an email to pray at ccgf.org and say, listen, I want to live by faith alone. Well, church, we love you. More importantly, God loves you. We bring this message to you today, praying that you will discover that faith alone is the only way. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, we're so grateful for this great news that we can be justified by faith alone. Thank you, God. It doesn't depend on our works. We're so grateful to hear that news, Lord. Give us the strength. Give us the faith to believe in Christ and his righteousness given for us. Thank you, Lord God, that you've, you've taken our place, that you've credited our account through Jesus. Lord, I pray for, for Joshua Harris. I pray that you would return him to faith. I thank you, Lord, you've worked in Lex Luger's life. What a story. Lord, I thank you for the example of Abraham. It all began with him. And Lord, there's a lot of other stories out there. There's a lot of other portraits of faith. Oh Lord, may, even today, some turn to you and say, I will live by faith alone in Jesus. We pray all this in his mighty name. Amen.